2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achai has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would, not, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Well, I've been the pastor here at the church for five and a half years, about five and a half years since the church opened. And uh, over that time frame, I've preached, give or take, around 260 messages. And there's one topic that I haven't preached on yet. Uh, and that topic is tithing. And I've talked about giving in a sense, but even when I've talked about giving, I've tried, I've kind of de-emphasize the financial aspect of giving. And uh, there's a number of reasons for that. Number one, I, I remember growing up and going to church, and every year at the church that I would go to, uh, there would be a message on tithing. And we wouldn't know when that, tithe, that message was. And I remember going in and, uh, and the pastor starting to speak, and I'd be like, oh shoot, it's the message on tithing. And then I would think about how I could sneak out and go home because I didn't want to hear that message, and sometimes I actually did. So if I see anybody get up, I know that why, why you're leaving. So that's, that's one reason I remember just growing up and not really liking the tithing messages very much. Uh, also being a, a new church and a church plant, we wanted to be able to you know, reach out to lost, and the last thing that I wanted was for to, to kind of reinforce stereotypes that people already have about uh, the church in general, that the church is just interested in money, you know, as they've seen, you know, people, televangelists who are always asking for money, and they, you know, have this idea that all that the church is interested in is money. And so I've tended to avoid or put off message on tithing because of that. Um, but this past week, I was... Uh, praying about what I should speak about. Uh, usually I have my messages planned out, you know, the text planned out for months in advance, but uh, Pastor Phil is preaching next week, and uh, 
I didn't want to start a new series, so I wanted to do something that was kind of a standalone message. I thought about giving Phil the message on tithing, but I didn't think he would appreciate that. <laughs> so I, you know, I, was, I prayed about God for God to give me a topic to preach upon this week, and the thing that God put on my heart was tithing. So here we are, even though it's not the most comfortable topic to talk about. It's something that I feel that God would have me speak about this morning. Um, the reason is the Bible places a great importance upon money and our possessions. There's over 800 references in the scriptures to money or possessions. Uh, over half of the parables that Jesus taught were on money or possessions. So before we go any further, I'd like to kind of define some terms. And the first term is that word tithing. If you didn't grow up in a Christian church, uh, you may not be familiar with that term. And when we're talking about tithing for Christians, it's generally talking about giving a certain percentage of your income to your local church, whatever that church may be. So tithing is a form of giving, but Giving does not have to be tithing. A person could give to a humanitarian organization like the Red Cross or something like that, and that would be giving, but it wouldn't necessarily be tithing. So in the passage we're looking at today, the Apostle Paul is writing to the believers in the city of Corinth, and he's giving them instructions for an offering that he's going to take. And this offering is an offering like kind of like a benevolent offering uh, where people would give to help those who were poor in Jerusalem as the, most likely the situation in Jerusalem. There was a great famine during that time frame and the Corinthian believers were to send money and resources to the Jerusalem church to help support them in their time of need. So it speaks of kind of a benevolent offering, but I think that the principles that Paul gives us apply to giving in general as well and also to tithing. So Paul tells us a number of things about giving. The first thing he tells us is that giving should not be a burden, but a joy. He tells us giving should not be a burden, but a joy. In the Old Testament, the tithe was generally 10%. And while that's a helpful number for us to maybe uh, wrap our minds around, um, I don't believe that that number 10% is something that's required of believers today as a as kind of a legalistic requirement that we have to give exactly 10%. So then the biggest question that people ask in regard to the tithe is, how much do I have to give? Now on the surface, that seems like a normal question, an obvious question, but there's a problem with that question. When we ask that question, we're really asking, how much am I obligated to give? How much is it necessary to give? How much do I have to give so I can check that box off to say I did what I was supposed to do? And looking at the passage here that Paul, uh, where Paul teaches us about giving, a better question would be to ask, how much do I want to give? How much do I get to give? How much is God calling me to give? In verse 7 here, Paul says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. See, how much we give is between God and between us. It's not anybody else's business. And I don't believe that anyone can tell us what that number should be. But whatever number that is, it's a, we should give that with joy. Paul says God loves a cheerful giver. 
See, we need to get over this idea that God needs our money. Because we have this idea that how much does God require for me to give? As if God needs our money and we have to give a certain portion of it so that God's plan would go forward. And we forget that He owns all money. He's not stopped by some paper and people's names printed on that paper. He's not stopped by anything. He's the one who owns galaxy upon galaxy. He owns all the vast oceans, the highest mountains, the lowest valleys. He owns it all. So God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need it. And so clearly what he's talking about when he talks about giving in this passage, it's not just about the money, it's about our hearts. Because God could get money or he could get resources for any other place. It's about our hearts and that's what giving is about. And so he wants to, us to give and as, as an expression of our hearts. Now think about two scenarios, two scenarios that have happened to me in the past. Uh, a number of, uh, some time ago, I received a pretty sizable gift from someone. Uh, it was a gift that basically anyone would like. I liked the gift. But then I found out that that person who had given it to me, they didn't really actually want to give me a gift, and they just kind of felt like they should and felt kind of obligated to do that. And they would have rather just not given me a gift at all. And I found out about that, and I remember first kind of feeling hurt by that, and then second, I was kind of upset, like, well, you, you didn't have to give me a gift. I mean, if you didn't want to do it, I don't need it that bad. I don't need you to give me a gift if you don't want to give me a gift. Think of another scenario. It's Christmas Eve 2013, and I remember uh, Stephanie and I had been dating for a couple of months, and Stephanie had been working on a present almost since the time we started dating uh, for Christmas for me. And I would text her and in the morning a lot of times, and she'd say, oh, I'm a little bit tired today. I was up uh, working till midnight on your present, and I had no idea what the present was. And uh, then on Christmas morning, we changed presents, and the last one that she gave me was this present that she had been working on for such a long time, and it was uh, this beautiful blanket. And she had spent uh, over 90 hours crocheting this blanket together. And I remember receiving that, and it wasn't just about the blanket. I didn't necessarily need to have a blanket. If someone else had given me a blanket, it would have just been a blanket. But I love this gift because it was an expression of her heart. And it was an expression of the fact that she loved me that much that she would spend that much time on a present for me. What kind of present or gift do you think that God wants? Do you, do you think He wants a gift that we give Him begrudgingly? Well, I've I got to give my tithe. I better do this or God's going to be angry with me. Do you think He wants that kind of present? Or do you think he wants a gift that's from our heart? That based upon the gratitude of what he's done for us, we want to give to him. We want to give freely. See, it's not about the gift. It's not about the size of the gift even. A, a gift of $5 could be much more pleasing to God than a gift of $5,000. It's all about the heart. And, and I'll say something that I don't think many people will say if if you're here and you're, you don't want to give, and you give out of this begrudging sense that I better put this in, that, that's not pleasing to God. And, and honestly, it's better not to give. 
If you're going to do it out of a begrudging heart, it's better not to give. That's not pleasing to God. You'd be better off just keeping it for yourself. But God calls us to give. And he calls us to give with a heart of joy. It's not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be given with joy. So that's the first point. The second is that giving should be generous. And you might be thinking to yourself, so wait a minute. I I thought you just said that I can just basically give whatever I want, and all that matters is that I give it with joy. Well, it's true in a sense, but there's an old story about a a mother who gave her child a $1 bill and a quarter. And uh, she said, sweetheart, you can place either one on the offering plate. It's entirely up to you. And as they were driving home, the mother asked uh, the daughter what she had decided to give. And she said, well, at first I thought I was going to give the dollar. I really was wanted to give the dollar. But the man behind the pulpit said that God loves a cheerful giver. So I felt I would be much more cheerful if I gave the quarter instead. <laughs> and I, I think that's kind of how some of us think about it, but... God wants us to have joy in being generous. And and there's two reasons. The first reason is that because Christ has been so generous to us, He left His throne room in heaven. He left all the glory and the riches of heaven to come to earth to become sin for us. In chapter 8, verse 9, Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you might, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So Christ became sin for us, and we give generously out of gratitude for that gift that he's given to us. Uh, the second thing that Paul tells us is that the more we give, the more we'll be able to see God work through our gifts. Verse 6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. When we invest in the things of God, even if our gift is very small, God can take that very small gift and do something amazing with it. You know, you think he uses the metaphor of a seed. You know, and a few years ago, I I planted some flowers from seeds. And I remember the seeds were so small, they came in this little tiny packet of like a hundred of them. And I couldn't even pick them up because they were so small. They would just stick to my fingers. You know, it was hard to get one or two in there because, they, you know, pick them up, there'd be like ten of them together. And you think about a seed and how small it is and then how it becomes a great flower or a plant. The same thing is true with the things that we give to God. We can give something that's small, but God takes it and grows in it into something that's powerful and something that can be used for His glory. And so when we're generous and we sow richly into the things of God, we'll be able to see that fruit of what God does through our gifts. And uh, amazingly often what happens is that when we do that, we receive a blessing. When we give to God, we often find a greater blessing in return. Sometimes that's the, uh, just kind of the ability of being used by God, but oftentimes it even happens financially. Verse 11 says, You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. When we give to God, often what we find is that God gives us back more than we gave. You know, the phrase is, like, you can't outgive God. 
And we need to get, be careful to not kind of go into this kind of prosperity gospel where we see the things of God as kind of an investment strategy. That I give these things so that I might become rich or blessed. But God doesn't promise us that. It's not a promise of God. But often what He does is when we're obedient to Him, when we give out of a pure and joyful heart, He gives us more resources so that we can further be generous and be a blessing to those around us. He always does that in the Scriptures. When He blesses someone, He blesses them so that they might be a blessing. Luke 16.10-13 says this, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. When we're faithful to God with just a little bit, He often blesses us and gives us more than we could ever think we, was possible. Just like a servant who gives you know, something to his servant and kind of tests them out. Sometimes God tests us to see what we'll do with the resources that He gives us. And when we're faithful with those things, He'll give us more resources or more opportunities to be a blessing to those around us. And so we can be free to be generous knowing that God has our back, that nothing that we give to Him will be wasted. And so then again, you might be wondering, where do you start? Often people start and follow the example of the Old Testament in giving 10% of their income to God. And that's a number to start, uh, start with. And that is not something that's, again, legalistically something that we're bound to. For some of us, maybe in our situation in life and in, in, our, in our prayer with God, uh, maybe God will lead us to give something that's far less than 10%. Some of us, maybe God will call, lead us to give far more than 10%. That's just kind of the pattern of the Old Testament and something we can kind of start with. Whatever we give is something between us and between God. Oftentimes, people give a percentage of their income as a tithe and as an offering, that which is above and beyond the tithe, uh, they give other gifts, whether it's you know if someone receives a financial windfall or if there's a special offering, uh, then you'd give the offering above and beyond that tithe. And that's just kind of the pattern uh, that some people follow, but again, not something that is uh, normative that we have to follow. But what we do give is between us and between God. But when we're trying to figure that out, again, our attitude should not be Uh, what is the smallest amount that I can give to get by? It's uh, God has given me these resources, and what is He calling me to give back to Him as a token of my gratitude and appreciation? So that's the second thing. Giving should be generous. The third thing that Paul tells us is that giving demonstrates our commitment to the body of Christ. In verse 12, Paul says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Now, the church in Corinth was a church that was a missionary church that Paul had planted uh, and they, the, from the first church, which was in Jerusalem. And uh, most of the people in the church in Corinth were most likely Gentiles. 
and most of the people who were in Jerusalem were Jewish. And so for the, the Corinthians, who were Gentiles, to send money and resources to the Jews who were in Jerusalem, this would have been a powerful statement of unity. It would have shown the world that, and shown uh, those believers in Jerusalem that they were on the same page, that Paul's, fruit was bear, Paul's work was bearing fruit, and that they were all part of the same family. And, and in the same way, when we give, we demonstrate that we're part of the same family. We spend money on the things that are important to us. And when we give to our local church, it's a demonstration that this is not just a church. This is not just an organization. This is my church. This is my family. This is my ministry. It shows that we're invested in the particular body of uh, local expression of the body of Christ that we're in. So those are the three things that Paul tells us about giving. Giving should not be a burden, but a joy. Giving should be generous, and giving demonstrates our commitment to the body of Christ. So if we had to sum up everything that we talked about here into one phrase, I think it would be this. Joyful giving results in a joyful life. Joyful giving results in a joyful life. When we give joyfully, we get to be a part of what God is doing. We often get to experience further blessings so that we might be a blessing to God. And we just demonstrate that we're part of the body of Christ. Joyful giving results in a joyful life. This is a principle that's not uh, just from Scripture, but a, scripture, uh, a principle that is recognized in scientific and psychological literature today. Uh, psychologist Stephen Taylor wrote an article entitled, Happiness Comes from Giving, Not from Buying and Having. He says that if anything, it appears that there's a relationship between non-material, non-materialism and well-being. He says, while possessing wealth and material goods doesn't lead to happiness, giving them away actually does. Generosity is strongly associated with well-being. For example, studies of people who practice volunteering have shown that they have better psychological and mental health and increased longevity. The benefits of volunteering have been found to be greater than taking up exercise or attending religious services. In fact, even than giving up smoking. Another study found that when people were given a sum of money, they gained more well-being if they spent it on other people or gave it away rather than spending it on themselves. This sense of well-being is more than just feeling good about ourselves. It comes from a powerful sense of connection to others, an empathetic and compassionate transcendence of separateness, and of our own self-centeredness. I mean, that's completely countercultural, completely not what you would understand. You would expect that if you got a lot of money, then you would be happy. Research shows that it's not about getting money, it's about giving money away. And it's not just about money, it's about our time, it's about our resources, it's about our energy. We were never meant to kind of just hold on to what we've been given. We're meant to give it to those around us, to share it with those around us. Christian leader Gordon MacDonald shared a story about how his thinking kind of changed in regard to giving. And uh, he shares a story about how he and his wife, Gail, made a missions trip to, went on a missions trip to West Africa. And uh, on the first Sunday when they visited, they visited a very, very poor church. And as they went to church, they saw that everyone who went to church was carrying something. 
Uh, some people were carrying chickens. Some people were carrying baskets of yams. Others were t toting bags of eggs or uh, bowls of cassava paste. And McDonald said this. He says, why are they bringing all this, that stuff? I asked one of our hosts. Watch, she said. Almost every person in that African congregation brought something. A chicken, a basket of yams, a bowl of cassava paste. I saw that giving, whether yams or dollars, is not optional for Christ followers. Soon after the worship began, the moment came when everyone stood up and poured into the aisles, singing, clapping, even shouting. The people began moving forward, each in turn bringing whatever he had brought to a space in the front. Then I got it. This was West African offering time. The chickens would help others get a tiny farm business started. The yams and the eggs given could be sold in the marketplace to help the needy. The cassava paste would guarantee that someone who was hungry could eat. McDonald says, I was captivated. I'd never seen, any, a, joyful, seen a joyful offering before. Obviously, my keep, keep money under the radar policy would not have worked in that West African church. Those African believers, although they never knew it, had moved me. I began to understand that giving, whether yams or dollars, was not an option for Christ followers. Rather, it was an indication of the direction and the tenor of one's life. What if we had that mindset, that joy in giving? What if we really believed that giving would bring us joy? Joyful giving results in a joyful life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that while you were rich, you became poor for us. You came to the earth and left the throne room of heaven to become a baby, to become sin for us. And we thank you that you give us the opportunity to give back. We know you don't need our money, you don't need our time, you don't need our resources, that you are God in and of yourself and you can do whatever you want. You own it all. But we thank you that you allow us to be a part of your plan. That you choose to use our gifts, our resources, our time, our talents for your glory. That you take the little bit that we can give you, even if it's just the smallest amount of like a seed. And you take and make something beautiful out of it. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that all of us would be generous people. We'd be generous to those who are around us. We'd be generous to the poor. We'd be generous in tithing. We'd be generous in giving our time. Lord, I pray that you'd lead us into that. For each of us here, we're all at different stages in our spiritual life, different stages in our careers and families. And we're all at different levels of, of what you're calling us to do, Lord. But I just pray that you'd just give us direction in, in what you're calling us individually to do. And Lord, I pray that as a people, we would be generous, that we'd be known for our generosity to those around us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.